Hello, welcome to the Eastminster Student Podcast. This is a podcast where two young folks with three-year-olds tell you how to parent your teenagers. <laughs> so much experience. Yeah, that's right. Uh, no, this is a, a podcast about parenting, faith formation, teenagers, and uh, we are continuing a conversation about cell phones, cellular phones. Technology, culture, all that. All that. Last week, we talked about screen time, talked about Generation Z, and we are continuing the conversation. This podcast, we hope to talk about some best practices, to talk about a few terms like FOMO and, oh, my phone, my my computer went dingle, dingle, ding. <laughs> there we go. All right, we're good. All right. Uh, so... Let us continue the conversation. Matt, where would you like to start? One of the things that we wanted to discuss this week is this idea of boundaries. Uh, one of the terms that we use when we talk about uh, cell phones is guardrails because it's one of the one of the things when we're talking about parenting is we're wanting to create a safe environment for our kids. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, providing a safe environment is only part of the goal. The goal ultimately is to prepare them for one day when they leave the home um, and those guardrails are no longer in place. Right, because at some point um, we're not going to be there when they leave. And we want to have established a foundation rooted in their own well-being, their own you know faith formation, and their own ability to have healthy habits. Sure. So that's what we're about: is not just guardrails. Um, right. We'll talk about some of those, but also opening up dialogue and having conversations about real things. Yeah, and let us let us remind you that this conversation comes from a place where we are saying we don't have it all figured out. We're not perfect. We don't know the perfect way to do cell phones, Absolutely. to do social media, to do all this stuff. We are just humbly saying these are the things we've seen. These are things we've read. Yeah. And honestly, it, it's, been, it's been great doing this podcast because we've gotten to have some conversations from other parents who are doing this really well. And we're learning. So um, we yeah. hope this can be an encouragement to you. So, So one of the... One of the things that when I when I taught the lectures about a year and a half ago here at Eastminster on parenting in the digital age, one of the books I used for research was a book by a guy named Andy Crouch um, called The TechWise Family. And what I really liked about Andy's book is that he um, it, it was less of don't do this, don't do that. Here is what you're supposed to do to create a perfect uh, safe home. Instead, it was. And let me quote him because I think he, he gives a very well understanding of the direction of his book with this quote. He says, our homes aren't meant to just be refueling stations, places where we and our devices rest briefly, top off our charge, and then go back to frantic activity. They are meant to be places where the best of life happens. And I love that quote because he's casting a vision for his home that says, look, home is not just a place to recharge and then get back into frantic activity. And Mike, I think you can agree our families that we see here at Eastminster, frantic might be a, a good word to describe just life. Yeah, I mean, busy, busy, busy frantic. Um, absolutely, I agree. And I think this idea that home is is the place, is the place where the best of life happens. That yeah. That is a really, really powerful vision for, for family. And so I really, I really like that. Um, and so what he does in his book is he establishes 10 commitments um, and again, he, he makes it clear these are not the Ten Commandments. These are these are commitments that they um, aren't perfect about keeping, um, but 
their commitments that they commit to to create a culture in their home where the best of life happens. And so I'm going to read these off and maybe two or three of them resonate with you. Um, maybe some of these you're already doing, um, but I think it's helpful for us to at least frame this conversation with these commitments because I think it gives a more broad uh, perspective on what we're getting after today. Okay. Sounds good. So number one, we develop wisdom and courage together as a family. Number two, we want to create more than we consume. So we fill the center of our home with things that reward skill and active engagement. One of the things Crouch talks about in their family is that they don't put a TV in their living room, which is uh, kind of a unique situation. In fact, he said, we put our TV in the basement, in the corner, and it's something that we don't say no TV, but if you're going to watch TV, you have to be very intentional about it. It's not just something that's mindlessly on during the day. And so instead, they fill the center of their home, the living room, the gathering place with things that reward skill and active engagement, which I thought was a cool That's good. Cool way to frame I've, it. I'm sometimes guilty of the aimless TV in the background. Oh, yeah. You got but bubble that, guppies playing while the kids are playing with blocks. Yeah. No, but that, I think that is, that's good. Yeah. Uh, three, we are, we are designed for a rhythm of work and rest. So one hour a day. One day a week and one week a year, we turn off our devices, worship, feast, and rest together. I thought that was really profound. You know, when they, they're essentially taking this idea of Sabbath rest seriously, and they're saying when we take Sabbath rest together once a week, we're going to turn our devices off and we're going to be together. We're going to play together. Um, and it's going to be a, a time of refreshment. And I don't know if this is your experience, but it's always so, con- it seems so counterintuitive that when we rest from our devices, even though the devices can be a place to kind of mindlessly turn our brains off, when we rest from them, it's so much more refreshing. It is. Although sometimes immediately it's like more anxiety. Right. Like right. it's like there's a – sometimes when you turn it all off, there's this anxiety, which is probably a sign of, you know, not being healthy totally. about it. But um, but then when you really like detach, it's, it is – it's – that's why I love going on camping trips and right. Um, it's a, it's the practice of silence and solitude. Why it's so difficult at first. It's almost like our brains are are constantly receiving the stimulation. So to take a break from it takes a moment to center yourself. Yeah, that's true. Um, number four, we wake up before our devices do, and they go to bed before we do. Um, his his thoughts on this are uh, we, they use real alarm clocks in their home, not phones. And so when their alarm clock gets up, they wake up, they spend time being present before they pull out their phones. And the same thing with, they turn their phones off in the evening. And uh, yeah, this brings up a good um, point that one of the problems we're seeing, and this is not just our yep. this is like uh, researched, is that students' sleep schedules are terrible. I mean, they're right. worse than they've ever been. More insomnia, more... Um, lack of sleep. I think it was 50% of 17 year olds get less than seven hours of sleep a night. And the, and they're they're very clear. It's because of smartphones, because of cell phones. Um, not only are they just mindlessly engaging with social media or the YouTube or the internet. Um, but just the fact that the blue light from the phone screen, it, it, messes with the production of melatonin and is actually making it more difficult to sleep. And yeah, uh, there's a, while there is a button you can use on your iPhone to turn off the the blue screen going into night mode, if you're curious about using that or wanted to use that, 
Um, even still, just that the, still the produces blue light though. It's just like yeah. a mask for it. Um, you could do what our brother did. Yes. And buy these orange glasses. They're, they're very dorky. Yeah. But, um, hey, it works. Sleep. It works. But it, that is something to be considering that, okay, my son or daughter's going to bed at 10 or 11. They're probably asleep in 20 minutes. If they have their phone in their room, there's a good chance they're up for another hour or two. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. and that's on the conservative side of the estimate. Some so, kids are up to two or three in the morning. So the next one goes along with that. Number five, we aim for no screens before double digits at school and at home. And it's this idea that when they start their day, they start their day together and not on their cellular devices. So until 10 o'clock hits, um, that's what they mean by double digits. They try to stay away from their phones, which um, again, it's what they aim for. It's not a, a I'm sure it's not perfect every day. Um, but even having a high aim, I think, is a healthy, a healthy thing. And that that incl- that's everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, and that, that's a big part of this. He says yeah. is if 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 him and his wife are not leading by example, none of this works. I mean, it's all it's all just smoke, and mm-hmm. uh, they have to they have to lead well for that to to yeah. be a, a habit. Number six, we use screens for a purpose, and we use them together rather than aimlessly and alone. And this is a big one, I think. That is one of the leading um, reasons that Twangy and her research mentions why there's so much depression and anxiety is there's so much inherent loneliness from being, uh, you know, in your mind, you may think you're with someone when you're on your phone, but the reality is they're not using it together. Right. And so when it, whether it's watching a movie, watching a television show, um, playing video games, you, you name it, they want to aim to do those things together and not aimless and alone. Uh, seven, car time is conversation time. That's a unique one. So they, they're very intentional about using that time in the car um, to to have conversations, whether it's going home from school, whether it's um, going out to dinner. they they intentional about not scrolling on their phones during that time. It's good. I know one family who they have a lot of driving for you know, soccer and, and, yep. and such. And I think they've made it a practice that they'll listen to the Bible app for a portion of it. Nice. And uh, it's a good way to, it's actually using technology, right? Right. But, but in a positive way, it prov- provides some good conversation. For sure. Um, so there are some other. Yeah. You know, and, and again, be reminded, this is not uh, the way, this is a way. And I think we can learn from it for sure. Um, eight. And this is, this is one of my favorites. Spouses have one another's passwords and parents have total access to children's devices. You know, one of the, I forget where I read it, but they said, I thought this was profound. They said that password sharing is the new linchpin to intimacy, right? In other words, when spouses have each other's passwords, it's, it's, it's an important and healthy practice. Um, I've seen people play this weird game where you, you, they don't want anyone else to see their phone and it's this, are you hiding something? There's this right. trust. There's just all kinds of things that go with that. And even with parents and kids, there's, there's, if there's not trust there, um, I think it can become a place that becomes more secretive and unhealthy. And as we know, things in the dark often, things don't go well. Right. So let me ask you this, Matt. What are, are there places where privacy is okay or do you, is that a... 
Where do you see privacy being? And because here's, I think what would happen is you'd have students saying, no, these are my private conversations with my friends. You can't infringe upon that. And and they'll especially run into that trouble if these are things you don't already have in place. So if all of a sudden you say, well, that's uh, the big, yeah, that's the big thing is, you know, this is conversations a lot easier for parents with young kids who have yet to enter into them owning their own devices. For parents who already have habits, for parents who already, you know, their kids are juniors and seniors in high school, this is a lot more difficult if all of a sudden you're to say, hey, um, I want all your passwords, right? That, that's a hard that's, conversation. That's not going to go well, yeah. No, exactly. So I, I I totally get that. And I think I think that there is, you know, one of the things that we have to be reminded is when they're 18, you're no longer going to have the kind of control yep. and you're not going to be able to see everything they do or you know, snoop around in their phones. Um, so we don't want that to be the the reason. You know, we, we hope that there's enough trust there where we're not snooping through kids' phones at, at you know, right. at any given time. I think more so the idea of password sharing is for A, accountability, mm-hmm. um, and B, for safety and knowing that, that your parents are involved in your life. Yeah. Like, you can err on the side of total freedom, or you can err on the side of that accountability. And I think that there can be a healthy balance there. Yeah. Do you see that as they get older, there is a um, a release of, you know, a yes. more, more private or more freedom Absolutely. For, for students? Absolutely. And, and there's an age thing certainly there. Like, I, I, yeah. I think that certain apps are probably not appropriate for an eighth grader that might be appropriate for a junior senior in high school or Mm -hmm. you know what i think it depends on the kid but sure and you know one of the things andy mckee he's a youth worker one of the things he talked about in his lecture jonathan mckee oh you're right sorry jonathan mckee he's a a guy who gave a lecture should i smash my kid's cell phone and one of the things he said was um that when their kids turn 18 their senior year there are no rules he just says he has all, he has rules he has curfew but the moment they turn 18 he says you're still in our home but i don't have any rules for you yeah and and he makes it very clear i will be here for whatever you need yep. you 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 know i will help you if you have but his goal was and this in again it was kind of a progression yep that every year there would be less rules uh more freedoms and the idea was we're not we're not training up our kids to be long-term house guests you know right. we're, we're like sending we want them, off. them to go yeah we want them we to go want them we want to them go. to be and so um sometimes in this conversation i hear parents that are like i just need to have total control always of my students devices and i just know from from my limited experience that a lot of times that ends up being uh almost more, causing more rebellion in the students and more hidden um, you know, hidden apps and, and, and things. And I think if you start young of, on the basis of this, we are building trust here. And that is the reason why we're doing this. Um, totally. I think it could go better, but totally, I haven't actually done it. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, last two nine is we learn to sing together rather than letting recorded and amplified music take over our lives and worship. That was fine. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure I'm against recorded music as the crowd family is, but yeah, yeah they like to sing. And number 10, we show up in person for the big events in life. We learn how to be human by being fully present at our moments of greatest vulnerability. We hope to die in one another's arms. I think that's a beautiful one. And I think it's this idea of being present and being present 
in our kids emotionally. I think it's easy in the franticness of life to detach and to not be present. And uh, so I think that's a really, really important one yeah, too. That's good. Yeah. So again, this isn't a, these, these 10 commitments. I really recommend you read the book if you haven't read it. It's a great resource. And these are not, uh, I know that this is definitely a, uh, for even for the Crouch family, he admits it's messy and it's imperfect, but it's what they strive for. And I think it's good to have something to strive for as a family. And um, yeah, it's a great read, great resource. Go ahead. Well, yeah. And what I was going to say about this whole thing, and I'm, this probably is something that just goes with parenting in general, um, is that a plan, whether or a plan where everybody's on the same page yep. is better than no plan at all. Absolutely. And, and so whatever you and your family decide on media, having something is going to be better than not having anything or just aimlessly making adjustments as you go. Um, I think that is universal with, I mean, any topic is when you have a plan together that there, there is a same page and there are clear rules and boundaries marked off. It's so much better than to totally. try to course correct later on. Totally. Mike, you want to, we had a, uh, one of our listeners email a question. Yes. In. We've had our first parent question. And so, I've actually come up with a uh, a sound effect for parent oh, questions really? to celebrate. I like it. All right. Are you ready for it? Yes. And I'll say this. If you recognize this sound effect, this is something that Matt and I listened to back when we were kids. And we would hear my dad play something. And it was this sound effect. If you know what it is and can tell us, I will give you a prize. I, I want that prize. I know. I'm sure it's going to be a good one. It is. It's... It's going to be a really good All right, prize. let's hear it. Okay, ready? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, what do you think? <laughs> Did you know it, Matt? Yes, I know it. Okay, good. All right, anyways. Okay, parent question. This is from Paige Floyd. Uh, she is actually our KDO, what, director? Yeah. Okay, and uh, she asks this. The question I'd love to see you address is a concerning comment I'm hearing frequently with parents with kids older than mine. That is many families who do set limits like no Snapchat or limited smartphone access, etc. voice to me that their kids don't get invited or involved with any friends. They are saying that kids only communicate through apps and by limiting apps, their kids are left out of any social life. So our question is, do you feel that like this is true? If so, what are some ways parents can walk this line to help their kids be involved, build friendships and still stay strong to personal convictions about phone access great question that is a great question um and this is definitely a question that we like i hear yep. and and is an honest like okay my kids they they're telling me that if they don't have a smartphone or they don't have this app that they will not be included with their friend group so right matt and i put together a couple of suggestions about it. Mm -hmm. um, if you have other suggestions, let us know. But uh, let me just share some thoughts. Number one, um, try to be on the same page with other parents. Um, there are, it is so much, or there's, it is so much better if you can connect with other parents and be on the same team about these types of things. For example, there is a, uh, a movement called wait until eighth, which is like a uh, cell phone pact that says 
parents come together and say, we will wait until eighth grade to get a cell phone for our kids. And, you know, it, it makes a big difference if it's not just one person who doesn't have a smartphone, but it's a group of parents together that says, nope, we're waiting. And um, so you check that out, uh, wait, wait until eighth.org. But whether you use something like that or even just communicate yeah. with other parents at church, communicate with other parents in the schools, I think it can make a big difference to be together and like-minded on these things. Yeah, so the just so you know, the, there's a waituntil8th.org that you can go to. And with 10 other families from your school, you can sign a pledge together so that, you know, your student isn't saying, well, so-and-so has a smartphone. And that yeah. doesn't include that the, they talk about you can get a basic phone. Yeah. Um, it's really against getting a smartphone that young. Um, I think that's that's something I hadn't even considered, yeah. you know, that, that, that can be a real struggle. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because uh, kind of like what we talked about last time, you know, we are seeing students get phones, you know, in sixth yeah. grade, it's like half the kids have phones now. And not only that, but there are like first and second and third graders that have phones. And, right. um, a lot of times parents just, I think yep. aren't, aren't considering. And so perhaps one thing you could do, um, mm-hmm. as a parent who feels strongly about these things is to start those conversations right. with other parents to say, Hey, you know, we're deciding to wait on smartphones and here are some reasons why. And we think this would be even more effective with other parents on board. Totally. You know, and totally. it'll save you some money and you know, on your cell phone. Plan. When your kid says, Hey, but so-and-so has Snapchat, you can say, well, actually, here yeah. are your friends that don't. Right. You know, right. if you want to have that conversation, it's nice to be able to, because what we can see is that being used as a manipulation. Yeah. Tactic. I, I was going to lead to the second point, I think really well is that this comment of all my friends have this stuff. And so I'm being left out. Well, we'll say this carefully, yep. but sometimes, not always, this is a comment made by kids that really, really want a smartphone when, when in actuality isn't necessarily true. Right. Would you say, I mean, how would you just say it, Matt? Absolutely. And I, there are, there are people in our high school right now who parents have made, drawn a hard line that has said, in fact, we're not going to do smartphones um, until you graduate from high school. And that's, that's pretty extreme in our culture. Um, but when somebody says everyone fill in the blank, yeah, usually it's not everyone. And so I, I think that's something that just, just to consider. Yeah. Um, and the reality is when kids, let's say I'm not going to get invited to stuff because I am, um, I'm not going to get invited to stuff because I'm not on the apps or I'm not. Right. The reality is when kids have their friendships and their strong friendship, they're going to find a way to invite one another right. to events, to things. We honestly, the, the kids that we see who don't have the phones and are well-adjusted, well-socialized um, kids have no problem. Nope. No. But that's what I was going to say is I know, I know very specifically, I won't name names, but kids who are exceptionally well-adjusted socially mm-hmm. in their schools have a great friend group. And the the kids that I'm are in my mind right now are kids who don't use a lot of these apps. Yep. I mean, they're they're I can never get a hold of them because they never they're on their phones. Um, but I think that that so I don't I think that to say, and maybe what we need to do a little bit is talk about the nature of the beast. Why is we're talking about a specific app here? Why is Snapchat, which is probably one of the most Snapchat's popular among our students, would be probably the most popular app? And yep. why? What? What? A? What is it? We can talk about it briefly. Yeah, I think that would be next episode. Okay, we're gonna go through all the apps. We can do that. Yeah. Um, we'll save it. We'll save it. We'll save it. We've been going long. Yeah. A um, couple other thoughts on this. Yep. Uh, be the initiator when it comes to social 
stuff with your kids. You know, if if you feel like they your your son or daughter is saying, "Hey, I'm not getting invited to things." You know, one of the things you could do is say, "All right, well, let's host the party. Let's be the one yep. to have the camp out in our backyard. Let's be the one to, you know, fill in the blank." But when if you can be the home that your son or daughter and their friends want to be at, then mm-hmm. that that helps the need of or, or helps the problem of not being invited to things because you're the ones doing the inviting. For sure. And um, For sure. I think that's even just a good Christian practice to be hospitable to yep. friends and to and to know the students, to know the friends that um, your son or daughter has. I think that's that's really, really important. So try to be the initiator. One of the, the our last point is this idea. Um, when you think about that, these apps, these social apps that are meant to make us more social, um, there's this phenomenon that they call FOMO, which is fear of missing out. And I think it actually perpetuates the problem where, you know, in your question, it is without these apps, my son or daughter won't be invited or won't be connected. And the reality is I think the opposite sometimes can happen where people post their highlight reels on Instagram or Facebook. So you see, you see them hanging out with their friends. You see them on these awesome beach vacations. You see them always laughing and smiling and having the best time. And it creates this false um, perception. People are, are creating a second identity of how they want to be perceived online. And so when people see that, they think, oh, my life will never be as good. I'll never be as in love as my friend who's posting pictures with their significant other. I'll never have as much fun on a, at a party as they're having right now. And it creates this fear of missing out of something. And so it's kind of a vicious cycle because people want to be involved. They want to be connected. And they're seeing others who are. And it makes them feel left out. Does that make sense? It's, yeah, it's almost like right. this. We want to be more connected, but it's doing the opposite. Yeah, it's it's a bunch of really shallow connections, right, with people, and and just yeah, it makes you feel like you're just missing, right, missing out, even though you have this very curated exactly. version of yourself online. So, yeah, anything else with that question, um, brother? No, and if and again, if you if anybody else has thoughts, again, we're. We don't have the most experience with our own kids um, at ages three and one. And how old is Dwayne? Two? Three. Three. He's three. Yeah, he just turned Growing. three. I know. Um, but so we, we'd love to hear your thoughts. And next week, we're going to we're gonna talk more about uh, specific apps. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about how to engage with them, whether or not we think they're a good idea in the first place. And uh, if we do decide to use them, um, how to engage with them in a, in a healthy way. Yeah. One thing I do want to say is, you know, we're talking about some of these, you know, the manipulation and, and some of that. We don't want to um, to minimize those who have kids who truly are being ostracized and being right. excluded because that is a big problem. We see that, you know, there'll be a group text with 10 kids in it and then they'll create a separate group text with nine kids in it so right. they can talk about the person in there. And those are real things that happen. Perhaps yep. that'd be a good conversation for another episode uh, we don't want to, to to you know minimize that or say that that's yep. not going on because that does go on. It's a, it's a, just a tricky world. It's it just is. a tricky world. So perhaps that'd be another good conversation for a future date. Yep. All right. Matt, you have anything else? That's it. That's it? Okay. Uh, hopefully this is helpful. Thanks again for listening. We will be back, I'm sure, in the next week or two. Grace and peace. Grace and peace.